Our scripture passage today is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 11. Now consider, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gift of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Today we continue our series on why church. We continue to see what God is constructing or what God is building. This is important for us as God's people because when God calls us to himself, God is not simply calling us individually one by one. But as we see here in this passage, and as we see in all of scripture, God calls a people to come together to worship him and to serve him. Now, we have our own ideas of what a community looks like. We have our own idea of what it means to, to come together and to sort of uh, enjoy each other's company. We have an idea that when we come together, we, we like to eat. We come together and we like to talk about the latest things in the news, um, perhaps about school, work, family, whatever it may be. But we, we understand that we were built to be a part of a community, to be a part of a group of people. This is sort of beyond the church or, or beyond anything that we may understand about church. We as human beings cannot last by ourselves. Now, during this time of COVID, a lot of people might say, listen, I really enjoyed this time by myself. I'm an introvert. I enjoy just watching uh, movies, just reading books, uh, even just walking with the Lord by myself. But I, I would challenge you and said, listen, you did not walk by yourself. In fact, you had interactions with people. You're just not counting or understand or, or have seen or remember. We as people created need to have other people in our lives. Now, when God himself decided to build a church, he understood first and foremost, it is through my son Jesus that this church will be born. Jesus, as we learned last week, is the head of this church. Without Christ, a church does not exist. It is simply a gathering of people. On Sundays, we come to 
to extol Jesus and to extol His name. We come here to remember that it is because of Him that we are able to come in His presence. And yes, God will minister to you and minister to your needs today. But we have to remember that as we continue to live in this world, this world will always have challenges. Our hearts will always be challenged to, to follow Him or to follow the world. But when we gather here together, it's not about sort of erasing those challenges. It's about knowing that Jesus is Lord over those challenges. And that we worship Him despite what may come in our lives. We come here Sunday to say yes to Jesus and no to the world. For six days, for six days, for those of you who work, for those of you who are at school, you are under the law, the worldly law. Your professor tells you, your worth is in your grades, X, Y, and Z. Get this done. That's your worth. Your workplace tells you, here's your labor that you need to do. Do it and I'll pay you. But on the seventh day, on the Lord's day, we come together to remember that we live by grace. And we say no to those things that, that tell us our identity is in our work, our identity is in the laws of the land, our identity is in what our professors or what our, our managers tell us, but our identity is in Christ. And we say yes to him. This is why we've gathered here to worship him. This is why we gather here to lift our hands to him. Because God is Lord and Jesus is Lord over all. Now when Jesus came and died on the cross for us, his intention was not simply to call each individual, but his intention was to build the church. So when he left, in his ascension up to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. And he said to his disciples, basically, it is better for me to go. If I don't go, the Spirit can't come. Why does the Spirit need to be here? The Spirit needs to be here so that each one of you individually can know and experience God. But also the Spirit comes in order for the body of Christ to be formed. We are the body of Christ because God's Spirit lives in each and every one of us. And it is God's Spirit that builds this church up together. Now, I want to talk about um, a distinction about church that's very important for us to understand. There is something that we call the invisible church and the visible church. Now, the invisible church is simply the group of all those that God has called in all of history to be his sons and daughters. These are the people that God had in mind to call to him and those people who will be saved to the very end. This is why in our confession of faith, we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit 
and the Holy Catholic Church. Catholic not meaning the uh, Roman Catholic Church, but Catholic meaning universal. Or all those people who will come to know Christ. That's the universal church. And Paul and Jesus talks about that. That the church cannot be thwarted. That the church will march on. That the universal church, the, the church of those who are believers, that the spirit will continually grow out that church and it will never, ever be thwarted. People often get confused about this invisible church and the visible church. You see, here in the midst of CCPC, we have both the invisible church and the visible church. The visible church is made up of those who are truly called to the Lord, but also those who aren't called to the Lord as well. And that might be scary to you. But if we read Paul's letters, Paul's letters are addressed not to an invisible church, an idealized church, or the future perfect church. But Paul's letters, whether it's to Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, wherever it may be, is always to a visible church. And within the midst of this church, there are people who are faithful to the Lord, who, who, who Paul praises. There are people who are struggling in the Lord, who Paul rebukes and encourages. And then there are people in the church who are leading others astray that, that Paul says, you must discipline these people and even kick some of these people out. But the picture of the visible church is different from the picture of the invisible. You know, I think where a lot of us get into trouble in understanding church nowadays is that we have this idealized aspect or vision of church. In other words, we want the invisible church here right now. We want church to be perfect. We want the best sermon every Sunday. We want to be loved perfectly according to the way we want to be loved. We want to sing songs that when we sing those songs, it pierces our hearts every single moment. We want everyone to be generous as, as much as possible, 100% all of the time. We want church to be perfect when we bring our visitors and our friends that they would be loved and embraced as much as I want to, I have embraced and loved them. <clears throat> and when we have this sort of idealized aspect of church and when church is not able to meet it and we won't be able to meet it, no church can meet that. We look at church and say, church is a failure. CCPC is a failure. I'm not getting what I need every week. This church, week to week, they have their good days and they have their bad days according to my judgment, right? And what happens is your idea of church, your idea of going to church becomes really based on your subjective opinion rather than God's command and objective blessing and simply being present. You have to understand, when, when we idealize anything, we destroy that thing. When we idealize anything, we start to have contempt for that thing. 
When you idealize church as something that should be perfect now, you will start to have contempt for the church. Just like marriage. If you idealize marriage too much, when your spouse is not able to meet those ideals, you'll have contempt for your spouse. When Emory University doesn't meet up to your standards of what you think a university life should be, you idealize that, you will have contempt for your university. And this is what has happened in many corners of our American society today. We have put the picture of a church that is unbiblical. On the other hand, though, if we, if we, idealization is one thing that happens. On the other hand, we sort of look at church as a, a simply an optional thing now. It's not a place where God has called us. It's not a place that I, I, I should atta- uh, attend, but something when I have the time, when, when, when I feel like it, I'll come. But I don't expect anything. I really don't expect anything. I, I come and listen, just, just like, you know, when you put on, maybe you guys do this, you turn on YouTube and you listen to a TED Talk, but you're doing something else. And if something catches your ear, ah, so be it. If not, no big deal. But either way, we mis- misrepresent what the church is supposed to be. If you idealize it, you'll have contempt for it. If you think there's no blessing for it, you will treat it. Well, treat it as something that's um, not valuable, mundane, something that can be used or unused. But the visible church that God has called us to means that in God's midst, God's blessing is here because God's spirit is here. That it's in the midst of our trials and tribulations. It's in the midst of our difficulties. It's in the midst of us wrestling with God and wrestling with one another for God and his glory, for Christ's mercy to overflow, that we actually see the presence of God here. And that's what God is doing here at CCPC and every other church that proclaims the gospel. We are the visible church, not the perfect invisible church. We are the visible church where God's grace and mercy is present and keeps moving. And in the midst of any other cha- any challenge that God might give this church, We stand firm and we say, this is normal. This is not abnormal. In fact, this is what a church should look like. Or if we give prayer to the church of Corinth, Ephesus, Colossae, Philippi, any of these local churches, our issues and our problems, our challenges are no different. This is church. 
God calls all of you here to worship with him and to serve him. We are God's body called by grace to him. So when I look around here, and when you guys look at one another, have grace, eyes full of grace for, one, for each other. When you look at yourself in the mirror as well, have grace on yourself too. You don't need to have a perfect score to come to church. Just come. And God will bless each and every one of us. Now when God brings the church together to worship him, God also does something very extraordinary for God's people. He actually gives gifts, spiritual gifts, to each and every one of you to use for the upbuilding of the body of Christ. Each one of you who are here in this room have a spiritual gift to help this body of Christ to mature in such a way that no matter what temptations may come, no matter what storms may come, we can stand firm because we're using all of our gifts and to say no to the world, no to the Satan, only Jesus be praised and worshipped. Now the question often comes up, what is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is simply a gift given by the Holy Spirit to help the body of Christ mature into the fullness, into its fullness what God intended. Now first things first, the most important thing about any spiritual gift is that you need to be able to say, as it says here, Jesus is Lord. Let me say that again. In order to first use your gifts in this church, you need to be able to say, Jesus is Lord. And you might be saying, oh, Pastor, that's, that's, that's a given. That, that's easy, of, of course. And I go, that's not a given. It's not that easy. You see, the, the best gift that you can come to and to, to bring to this church or any church you may go to is your faith in Jesus and your love for him. That's where it all starts. If you want to be functionally someone who can bless this body of Christ or any body of Christ, you yourself have to be walking well with the Lord. You need to be able to say as you're walking left and right, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. Jesus done so much for me. Jesus has forgiven me of my sins. Jesus, help me today. Jesus, I love you. This is what you need to do before you even talk about what is my spiritual gift. You need to be able to say when, when you hear someone say, or even when you hear the temptation to say, cursed be Jesus, cursed be my faith, cursed be the church. That there must be something in you because of the, the Holy Spirit in you must say to you, 
Stop that. Don't say that. That is wrong to say. That is evil to say. And not just something that's, well, I guess sometimes I feel like that. But it's your love for the Lord and the Spirit in you that compels you to be with Him. This is the one of the reasons why, why here in our church we, we, we have something called membership. I still remember my days, and this is nothing against you, Emory students. I love Emory students. But, you know, we're, at, at that age, you're still pretty young. And I remember uh, my, my first years when Emory students would start coming. And this was back in the day when, when everyone loved to sing. Everyone knew how to play guitar and piano and stuff like that. And they would come to me their second week at our church, and they would say, Pastor Young, can I, can I help with the praise team? Can I, can I lead praise? I think my gift's in, in, in leading praise. Or they would come up to me, Pastor John, can I help with, with, uh, with, uh, uh, with welcoming? I really like to welcome people. Or Pastor John, can I help with the, with, the, um, uh, with the youth ministry? I really like youth kids. And I go, stop. I don't know you. I love that you love to want to serve. But tell me, how much do you love Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Tell me, how has scripture transformed your life? Tell me, how are you dealing with the, the challenges of, of, of holiness in your life? Tell me. But pastor, no, I know, I just want to serve. I'm, I'm really good at... Tell me that you know Jesus, please, and that you love him. Tell me your story. This is what this first half of Corinthians about spiritual gifts is about. It's you need to be able to say Jesus is Lord. And we'll get to this in future sermons, but one of my responsibilities as, as the pastor here is to make sure that as best as I can discern that you do know the Lord before you serve in any capacity. And so here, even in this church, when often people ask me, Pastor, you know, what, can, what can I do? And I love that question. The, the answer are, is simply one, love Jesus. Just love Jesus, please. Read his word, please. Pray to him, please. Confess your sins and be, be cleansed, please. And then number two, just love the people in this church. Just love them. Just say hi. Share a scripture verse if you're so inclined. Share with them and pray with, for, for them when they ask you for prayer requests or, or you ask them, what can I pray for you about? Jesus is Lord. So when God calls a church body together, 
we as individuals are called to worship him. And we as individuals are called to each and every day and each and every time we worship him to declare Jesus as Lord because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And that is how a church is first formed. It's not by the gift things. It's not by the things that we do. It's because people love Jesus so much and they want to love Jesus. And all of a sudden you have so many people, you're like, dude, we got to organize this now. It's not the other way around. And for us, the goal is for that love of Jesus to continue to excite us and to grow in the midst of us. And so this is then where the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to each person. So that that gospel may continue to rush up. These springs of living water will continue to overflow from our hearts. And that's when we serve. And we serve in a myriad of ways. But I'm eager for each and every one of you to search for and to desire the better gifts and not the lesser gifts. What are the better gifts? May I look around here? You guys could all teach the gospel. Teach children, teach one another, even teach adults. Well, you are adults, but older adults. You guys could lead each other in prayer and help each other come in God's presence by interceding for one another. You guys could lead Bible studies and say, I want us to read scripture together evangelism I want to go out and, and share the gospel with people mentoring I want to mentor someone and walk with them that they may know the gospel now you may say whoa whoa those are way too spiritual you need to be trained for all of those yes and no No, in a sense, when the Holy Spirit is in you, you know enough, more than enough, to help other people walk in the gospel. You do. Yes, in the sense that if you yourself are not growing in your Jesus of the Lord moments, each and every day and moment, then of course you're not going to have anything that you can share with other people. And so you've got to continue to walk with the Lord. You know, there are moments, um, you know, I've been a pastor for a while, and I've known lots of pastors and uh, as friends and colleagues. And, um, you know, there, there, there's, a, there's a couple of things I never understood um, personally, um, 
about pastors that and their temptations that never uh, I cannot understand. Uh, one is plagiarism. I don't understand why a pastor would ever plagiarize a sermon word by word. I just don't understand that. And and, and I've heard that happen many times, of of a pastor who will uh, use another pastor's sermon, and just read it, and claim it as their own. I don't understand that. And the reason why I don't understand that is that if you're walking with the Lord, even if it's a bad sermon, just get up there and just share from your heart what the Lord is doing, and God will bless you. The second thing I didn't understand, um, and, and again, there, there are other, there's other there's situations, I'm not, I'm not sort of putting these people down, but there are other situations as well. But another, another thing is, I never understood what the pastors would say, uh, I've run out of things to preach on. I don't know what to preach on anymore. Um, I've, I've run out of all my ideas for preaching and teaching. I, just, and I, didn't, I don't understand that. Yeah, you'll, you'll be tired. There'll be days when you're exhausted, but if you're walking with the Lord, there's even preaching about the fact that there are times that you're so tired that um, you realize that your knowledge is insufficient, but God's is sufficient. That, that's a sermon in itself. Now, I know there are circumstances where, where that happens. But it should not happen on a regular basis for any of us. These spiritual gifts, these sort of higher gifts, is what we must strive for as a church. What we must desire as a church. Things that are, are lo- located in scripture and in prayer. In loving God and loving other people. Another way to put it is this. If I could hire someone to do it, if I could hire someone to do something and it doesn't impinge upon the church, it's still a spiritual gift, but it's not as necessary, right? It's not as necessary. Seek the gifts that encourages the body of Christ to grow to love Jesus. Brothers and sisters, my desire is for CCPC to be a messy church. And I mean that in the the best possible way. Messy lives with the gospel being applied. Us learning what it means to live in the midst of it. You'll have those awkward times. And I've been experienced many of these awkward times in talking with many of you of, of, of finally being able to, to uh, name the issue or the problem that you might be having in your life. You, you finally name it. But you realize that There's not much you can do about it. But pray and love. 
And for many of you, it's the first time you've ever, ever gone off that deep end with the Lord and in loving other people. It's okay. This is the maturity that we want. We're not fixers. We are proclaimers that Jesus is Lord of all things. And we trust him and walk with him. Because we know that he will be glorified in the very end. So, brothers and sisters, Jesus is the head. We are the body. Jesus nourishes the body by his spirit and through his spirit. Jesus gives, Jesus calls his people, you and I. The most important thing we can do for the body of Christ is attend to our own spiritual health. To love God, to love him well. If we do that well, God will call us to not only love him, but to love this body of Christ and to love people who God has placed in our lives. Seek the higher gifts. Seek the gifts that center on scripture, that center on prayer, that center on helping people to see their sins and and help them to rejoice in God's forgiveness. Everything else, we'll find find someone. It might be you, it might be someone else, but don't worry, we'll find someone. If we can't, we can pay someone. But I can't pay anyone to love Jesus and to love this body of Christ. Let us be that body for him. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in all things. Father, you're the one who is building this church. It's not us. There's no way it could be us, Lord God. Father, we could pretend by putting all these structures together. But if your spirit is not here, these are just empty vessels. We need you. We need your spirit to be working deeply in each and every one of us. We need your spirit, Lord God, to convict us of sin, but also, Lord, to show us the grace and mercy we have in Christ. We need you to mature us as individuals, Lord God. Um, Father, as we get older, day by day, month by month, year by year, Lord God, the challenges of this life are just keep growing. What we thought that we figured out when we were 16 or 18, oh Lord, we keep learning. Learning about sin, learning about love, learning about your grace and mercy. And so Lord, help us to walk in that and to enjoy that, even though at times it's, it's not easy. But help this church. Help us, Lord, to keep your spirit and to keep in step with your spirit in all things. In Christ's name we pray, amen.